G'day guys, welcome to episode 198 of Talking with TK. I'm your host Tristan Cannell, we're nearly up to that magic 200 episodes, but in the meantime we've got a couple more NRL legends in the house and today we've got Mark Minicello. Obviously if you're a long time listener you know I've had his brother Anthony on the show, but you know Mark's quite uh, had quite the achievement as well, over 400 games across the NRL and Super League. He's, he's quite the specimen in terms of looking after his body and lots of the different things that he's done off the field to really help his his career and, long, and longevity. So he's a great fella as well. So really looking forward to bringing you Mark's story today. Talking with TK is available on Apple, Spotify, or pretty much anywhere where you'll get your podcasts. Also online at www.talkingwithtk.com. Catch up with... Former Parramatta flyer, Lee Odenrein. He's the bloke that beat Marno Fire back in the day in that race. So definitely check that out. I am part of the Diamantina Podcast Network. Highly recommend you check out some of my stable mates, the Batuta Advocate and Equity Mates. There is a new one in, in town now. It's called My Life on the Line. So it's it's by Ref Coach and it's made by referees for anyone interested in particularly football. But yeah, they've done quite a little good podcast and they've just joined the team. So check it out. It's called My Life on the Line. Get in touch with me. You can connect with me, social media or yeah, Instagram. It's Tristan Nell or Talking with TK across my Twitter or my Facebook, Tristan Cannell, K-apostrophe-N-E-L-L on my normal Facebook as well. Get in touch in terms of guests you would like to see on the show in 2021. Yeah, I nearly forgot what date it was, but get in touch, Tristan at Talking with TK. Dot com, or if, even if you want to just have a yarn about sports or life in general, definitely I would love to hear from you. If you can, continue to leave those reviews on Apple Podcasts. really helps me to continue to grow, and you can also do that on the Facebook page. Now, today's episode is sponsored by Manscaped, so get your grooming and gear now, boys. Manscaped.com, use code TK for 20% off and free shipping. That's Manscaped.com. My book, Talking With Champions, that's out now, so you can get yourself a copy. Dimix Booktopia, Angst and Robertson, really helps me to continue the, to grow the show, but it's also a pretty good read. You know, it's 75 of my best interviews broken down into some of the, the major, you know, great bits and also breakout quotes. So it's called Talking With Champions, you'll find it at Dimix Booktopia or Angus and Robertson. All right, guys, excited for today's episode, and I introduce Mark Minicello. My special guest today is Mark Minicello. Mark is a former professional rugby league player who played a whopping 400 games over his career. He played 397 first-grade games for the Roosters, Souths, Gold Coast, and Hull FC. He also played five games for New South Wales City and six games for Italy. He's won two Challenge Cups with Hull in 2016 and 2017. We also had the honour of captaincing, captaining Italy at the 2017 World Cup. Post-footy, he's a corrective exercise and holistic lifestyle coach. Welcome to the potty. Mark Minicello. Mark, welcome, buddy. TK, thanks for the interview. Uh, happy to be here and um, looking forward to it, sharing some knowledge and, and chatting about old times. Absolutely, mate. Well, first things first, mate, congrats on a great career. For, mate, like I said at the intro, 400 freaking games. That is a long, long, long time, mate. So some players only get to play 50 games, and that's because their body breaks down. But that's where I kind of wanted to start, mate. Longevity and kind of how you did it and kind of where you've transitioned into the world now. Obviously, that has a lot to do with how you've looked after yourself during your career. But give me a few insights in kind of how Mark Minicello went for so many seasons, mate. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, certainly over 400 games. Uh, and, and like I said, not many, not many players get, get to that many. And uh, yeah, I guess I, I sort of 
throughout my career, I was always aware of, of my body. And, and it wasn't, I guess, until um, the back end of my uh, time at the at the Titans where I started to change a, a few things, which um, had a huge impact on, on my longevity. Um, I, I was always a proponent of, of doing prehab and uh, exercise. You know, I was ready for training. And I was always one of the first in at, at training and last to leave. But um, I sort of took that to a new level when you know, I go to England and started to implement a, a lot of different lifestyle and nutritional changes, which um, definitely helped my joints. Uh, it really just gave me a, a few more years on my career, I would say. Yeah. Did you, you know, after talking to your brother, because, you know, your brother was a bit of a wild child, lived in the house of grouse, for God's sake. But, you know, that's just kind of the, <laughs> the NRL culture. Were, were you kind of similar? Did you, were you in that kind of NRL culture then towards the back end kind of, limited the drinking and that sort of stuff yeah I, was, I wouldn't say i was in it as much as he was that's for sure uh, <laughs> he probably you know, lived it up a little bit more than i did i was always a little bit sensible um compared to him uh, it is a culture that um first come into first grade you, you get caught up in and mm. and that's what you do and um you know you, you play hard and, and drink hard or whatever you party hard and, and again and again and I sort of settled down a lot earlier than than he did i think yeah with, um yeah, probably had a, a year or two of it on the Gold Coast when we first come into the competition. Started to have a family, um, so you, you sort of you tend to move away from from doing that, and it probably um, helped. Hey, Mark, if you could go back now, like obviously you at at thirty seven, thirty eight years old, but if you could go back and maybe have a, a yarn to a twenty five year old Mark Minicello about kind of some better practices that you would bring into your game back then, what would that be? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think I always um, worked really hard on on my game. I was very professional, but it was it's all the things away from the training field that is where you get some big games, and that and that that's where I've sort of ventured into over the last five years. Mm. Um, is your lifestyle practices away from the training field? Yep. Um, you know, the players today work so hard on whilst they're at training, you know, getting fitter, stronger, you know, more skillful, uh, and working on all those parts of the games, but aren't so much working on uh, optimizing their their lifestyle for recovery practices, you know, all your nutrition, you know, what, what sort of beverages or, or quality water are you, are you fueling the body with, you know, you know what, what's your sleep quality like you know are you are you are you working on your mental state and and the mental approach to the game and mm. meditating you know all these factors um can have a huge effect on you know your ability to perform on the weekend not just the weekend but at training you know you can get more out of your body if you're treating it right away from the from the training field so that's that's where i think there's still loads of improvement in, in players and going you know taking their professionalism to to a new level so that that that's where i would um go with, with players of today yeah mark are you still are you interested in kind of getting involved in rugby league now post-retirement well i um when i got back i i um was, was sort of involved with the titans and uh one day a week they got me in there to, to pretty much do exactly what i what i've um just sort of described a yeah. performance and lifestyle type coaching. It was more of a consulting role. Once a week, I'd go in and present on certain areas of 
lifestyle practices and, and how they can optimize that to, to help them improve their recovery time, their performance. And um, yes, yeah, so I was doing that up until obviously COVID and yeah. everything got shut down. So uh, there's still a lot of restrictions in place at the moment. So that's sort of on hold at this point. But yeah, so there is a, a little bit of interest there. But you know, I'm I'm sort of trying to spread the word and and help not just players but everyday people to to get healthier and and live a more you know fulfilled lifestyle through lifestyle practices yeah you know mark you know during after games you know from what i've just talking to a lot of people a lot of footy players struggle because obviously the adrenaline of actually playing the game and then actually having to come down from that whole thing is that something you struggled with during your career i think early on it was um i did and i Mm. think it's almost it's almost like a mindset too uh where you know i can't sleep after games um, so you sort of you say that to yourself a lot, and then you you obviously struggle. Look, it, it is an issue with people trying to wind down after being, you know, with your adrenaline so high and, and coming off the emotion of the game, and obviously the the impact on the body mm. and physically physically drained um, is an issue. And a lot of people, uh, I guess, then come off the field and don't do the right things to try and optimize. Yeah. their sleep from, from there and, you know, eat, eating poor, you know, a, a poor diet straight after a game is a big issue, um, not just from a recovery and on a on a cellular level for the body, but also, you know, to try and be able to sleep and sleep through the night without having, you know, those, those spikes of insulin. Um, yeah, so you, there are certain things that you can do through your nutrition and through lighting and, um, you know, not being on screens and that sort of thing that can that can help you try and come down. And I guess, uh, and, and breathing, you know, breathing's a lot of, I do a lot of things, um, work around breathing techniques yeah. and you can really try and bring that body back into the parasympathetic nervous system rather than have it in that fight or flight stress response, yeah. you know, in that sympathetic. So if you can bring your body back into the parasympathetic through some breathing techniques, I like to teach, then that's going to put you in that rest, digest, and, and recover mode where you, you can fall into a, a better sleep a lot quicker. Yeah. There's yeah. certain things that you, you can do. Yeah. It's just it's a very interesting topic, especially around the sleep sleep area. But one thing I wanted to just ask you before we get back to kind of your family background, it kind of has something to do with your family. With you being an Italian boy and you having to take a very, very healthy approach, have you kind of been able to readjust different pastas? to make it towards how you like food in your body and things like that? Look, coming from an Italian background, it's hard not to love food. And, and you know, I grew up loving food and eating loads of pasta and, and every type of food. And it's sort of ingrained in, in our culture and yeah. in, in our being, really. Um, and, you know, so I've always been a food lover. I've always loved food, eating good quality food. Um and yeah, it was a little bit of um, a challenge to sort of go away from pasta for a bit. Yep. Um, it's not to say that um, we don't eat it anymore, but it's it's uh, it's the quality of the food and, and the type of grain that um, you can um, you can put in your diet that, that has a it doesn't really affect it like like the, the so to speak the genetically modified 
wheat that's going around everywhere at the moment. Yep. If you can get the, a quality grain, like an ancient type grain, and, and make the pasta from that, then for me it's still all right. I've got to eat some pasta every now and then. <laughs> for sure, for sure, mate. Now, mate, let's let's move back to the start a little bit. Talk to me a little bit about the the days at Preston's because you know, chatting to your brother, I actually had cousins that grew up just literally up the road from where you guys live. So I was, no I was, way. Yeah, yeah, I was just laughing that me and my cousin Patrick, we used to do knock and run on everyone's on everyone's door around around there. We're all the <laughs> we're all the adults were drinking out the back. Me and him and my brother would be going around the entire neighbourhood doing knock and run on everyone's door. So. I do apologise if I got you up, mate, at, uh, <laughs> at silly hours of the night. But, mate, yeah, talk to me a little bit about the farm in Preston's, mate, because it sounds very impressive. Yeah, look, we um, we had a great upbringing. You know, our parents did an amazing job uh, you know, bringing us up and giving us uh, everything possible to, to give us the best chance to you know um, be successful. And, um, you know, part of that was, was growing up on, on some land which um, provided us with, with Great entertainment, and and um, you know, Dad put a built a goalpost out out yeah. the back where me and Anthony used to knock about and, and try and kick goals. And, <laughs> you know, I I don't know why I was never a better goal kicker because uh, I had posts there, just never really developed into a goal kicker. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, so we we knocked about there a bit, and you know, apart from that, we you know we had bikes and. Yeah, the old paddy basher that we used to smash around the um the yard and it was um yeah, it was it was it was a good way to grow up. I guess it um yeah, we, we used to chop the, the timber for the fire and uh, you know, all those sort of chores or household chores that we, we had to do, you know, built too strong and um I think that, that played a lot of a, a big part in, in why we were um you know, had it, Strength in in our awareness on on the field and moving and and that sort of thing. I think it it played a big role in that. Yeah. Now, Mark, tell me now this incredible feat. An athlete, you were a state sprinter. So the roles were kind of reversed with Anthony because he was more of a long distance guy. But then obviously yeah. we become a forward. He becomes a fast back. But yeah, talk me through the you know the Usain Bolt days of Mark Minichelli. <laughs> I think I was um, I was always built. Um, Solid compared to my brother, like he, I used to be like short and real stocky. Yeah, yeah. Like had big legs from a from a young age. I was I was very stocky, so it made me powerful. And I think when I was younger, it it, it um it made me pretty quick. <laughs> and I was like a, a hundred and two hundred meter runner. Um, What'd you do it in? Oh, look, I, I was no superstar. I think I think I maybe like twelve. High twelves, I think. Uh, I it's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. But I, I never won. I never won anything. Okay. I, I did run it at state level, but I never, I never, you know, I never competed with those guys who were. Mate, I can't believe you're telling there. the truth. I would have whacked a second and a half. Off that. <laughs> I would have went for like a yeah. eleven, eleven point two or something. <laughs> Yeah, maybe it was twelve flat. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I was certainly quicker than Anthony back in the day. And and then I don't know what happened. I I think I got too much muscle, and um and he got the speed. So uh, he he was always the endurance type athlete, and I was more the power athlete. Um and yeah, and that sort of just changed over time. Well, not really. He was he's very he was quick and had the endurance. Yeah. He was uh, freak. 
to speak with his fitness. So, um, yeah, it just it, it was weird how I sort of I guess I I when I eventually grew I I, I sort of filled out a bit. Yeah, yeah. And, um, that that slowed me up a bit. Not that I was slow. I was still pretty quick still for pretty a forward, quick, I must say. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, you started footy way before your brother because he kicked off at 10, but you were a six-year-old, right? Yeah, so I'll take the rap for that. I got him into it, and that's go. why I'm a superstar. And then... <laughs> Have you looked up, <laughs> no, yeah, mate? I, yeah. 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 No, I was uh, six years old. I started just just to bash around with, with some mates, and um, he was doing gymnastics at the time. Yeah. Um, and I used to, I wasn't, I used to just go around and, and watch and jump on, jump around and while he was training. And then eventually I think he saw the lights and um, he wanted to play and, and come across. He gave up gymnastics and, and started playing and I guess the rest is history. Yeah. Who was the first, because did you play junior reps at the Roosters as well? Or was it West? So I, uh, no, I, I, I played it few of the junior, like early days junior reps at West okay. but yeah. uh, when he signed at the Roosters I also followed across um, and then went through all the junior grades from 14 all the way up yeah okay because you went to at, West at the Roosters you went to Westfield Sports too didn't you yeah I did so I went to Westfield Sports I, where he, he didn't go to uh, he went to um, Liverpool Petition yeah, yeah yeah and, and then he got suspended he mate. Did, did were you naughty like him <laughs> I think he um, <laughs> I wasn't so naughty, no. I think, like I said, he had a bit more of a wild child uh, mentality. In <laughs> and uh, so I think he, um, he he copped a little bit off the old man for um, being suspended. <laughs> it's funny because he's, you know, obviously a really good role model now, very clean-cut fella. But from yeah. what he told me from his, from his childhood, getting suspended, like all sorts of things, obviously the house of grouse, all sorts yeah. of things. He had to get plenty out of his system, your brother. I know, mate. It, it took him a while to get it out too, <laughs> um, but yeah, he um, he definitely has come full circle now. But when he was younger, he yeah, he was uh, knocking about with with some people and getting himself in trouble. And um, yeah, but I think once he signed with the Roosters, um, he sort of started to um, yeah, think a little bit more serious about his career. And but 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 he was still a a little shit even. <laughs> when he was playing first grade, living in that house and um, yeah, I can imagine, fighting mate. hard. Yeah. Yeah. But, mate, you for know, sure. for the both of you both coming through, because they didn't play Australian schoolboys, but you did. You played in a pretty mad 99 Australian schoolboys. You had a, had a look at the team, and there was all sorts of yeah. players. Was there Jamie Lyon in there? There was was Corey Parker playing there as well, I think. Yeah, Corey Parker, Gaznia, Hodges. Wow, we, we were stacked. Yeah. That team was... Um, <clears throat> I think not everyone, but the majority of those players went on to play first grade and have long and successful careers. So it was, um, yeah, that that team was um, was a great part, great team to be part of. We, we toured England, Ireland, and France for five weeks. Nice. Was that the first and, time you um, travelled? <clears throat> um, yeah, I just. Uh, yeah, it probably was actually overseas. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, that was a fun, fun experience and, and, a, and a good trip. And was there a few stakeouts um, to the pub? Yeah, we did actually. Yeah, there was a, <laughs> there was a couple, couple of. Actually, ironically, we we played in Hull, and I ended up playing there. Bloody, I don't know, twenty or yeah. twenty years later, or whatever it was. And um, yeah, it, 
probably hadn't changed much either. The city, <laughs> but uh, there was a. Yeah, I remember we had a night out there. We had a night in France. It, um, it was pretty big, but yeah, it was. Um, it was an interesting trip. At a, as a oh, how old was I? Oh, it would have been seventeen. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Now, mate, good time. You know, making Australian schoolboys is quite a significant achievement. Did you always kind of want to be a professional rugby league player? I think, um, yeah, I think I did uh, when I was, you know, getting, I was very good at, as a young age, um, you know, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, or, you know, used to score plenty of tries. I was fast and um, quite short and stocky. So, yeah, I always sort of played in, in good teams coming through and I, I was always, you know, one of the, the top players as a young young. Uh, you know, player, um, and then when I went to Westfields, um, and got selected in the program there. It was sort of where I you know, started to take it seriously, yeah. and um, yeah, and 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 that they run a really good uh, rugby league program there. Um, had some good coaches that that taught you a fair fair bit there, and turned me into a hooker. Turned you into and, a hooker. Um, <laughs> well, I was short. I was I didn't like shoot up until I was like. 15, 16 or whatever okay. it was. So, um, did you like playing? Like a, it was, it was different. Um, yeah, yeah I, I didn't mind it. I, I definitely preferred the back row. Um, but because I was so fast, uh, as a young kid, I, I used to play out in the back in the centers. I started out full back yeah. and then centers and then I sort of kept moving in. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and then Anthony sort of ended up out that way. So, um, but yeah, it was it was that was a good school, good rugby rugby league system there that um, yeah, helped helped me develop and and I guess kick on from there. Yeah. Now after that tour, mate, you know you debut in two thousand and two, so you still got a little bit of a gap where you have to mm-hmm. do your development. Kind of what was the feedback to you in those sort of years? Yeah. So I was um, straight after that ninety nine tour, I um, started an electrical apprenticeship. And also was at the Roosters in the Harold Matthews SG or whatever it was. Yeah, Matthews, I think, at yeah. the time. Um, Matthews ball, whatever. Yeah, and so I was I was working all day. So I'd get up at quarter to five. I'd travel over an hour into the city, work all day, and then go straight from there to training, train, train and then drive home over an hour. It was like a really long sort of day. Um, and I think, I sort of went through at, at sort of 18, 19, I, I went through some um, difficult times with, with my hips and I think there was so much sitting in the car, mm. uh, you know, fatigue from working and not sleeping much and training and trying to, you know, become better as a player. And it all sort of compounded and, um, yeah, went through some difficult times where I couldn't really run and was in a fair bit of pain with my hips Um, and then yeah I sort of just kept persisting and kept working on on my body and and, and my game and eventually um, those two years at the Roosters I I come through you know the grades there reserve grade and and, um, yeah debuted in in 2002 where the side was unbelievable like that the Yeah, they they won the comp that year, and it was um, 
you look at that team and it's like, wow, some some of the players that are in there. And um, yeah, unfortunately, I, I I had to sort of make a decision to leave because they were so stacked, uh, you know, for the betterment of my career and wanting to play first grade week in week out. Um, I, I looked at the players ahead of me and thought it was it was going to be a, a long haul to get in front of you know your Craig Wings. <laughs> Um, Simon Benetti. I don't know where he was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Simon Benetti and Craig Wing was the, was the, coming off the bench and, and filling that role as well. And Ricky Stewart at the time was a coach. You know, saw me more as a hooker rather than a back row. Mm. So that that sort of played a little bit of um, factor into why I sort of moved moved on from there. Even though I loved the club and you know helped me develop through through the, all the, the grades there. Um, I thought for my career to progress um, and become a regular first grader, I probably needed to move on. Yeah. How did Ricky Short tell you you're going to be making your first grade debut? Oh, good question. I don't remember. <laughs> well, at the time, no, what he, what he did, at the time, I was doing my last year in my apprenticeship. Yeah. And he said that he said to me, "You need to you need to stop working and come full time." Okay. Um, so halfway through that year, I I stopped working and uh, went full time. Okay, I hope you um, paid you, mate. Yeah. Jesus, <laughs> that was a decision that um, yeah that I I had to make, and yeah, yeah I I decided that um, that was the path I wanted to go down, and yeah, I, I finished. I ended up finishing the apprenticeship anyway, but um, yeah, it was just one day a week on my. On my day off, so, yeah. Um, yeah. So, it was, yeah, that was the decision that went on from there. Yeah, so obviously, you know, the decision was to play more first grade, but Souths aren't Souths where they are now, where Russell Crowe owns it and there's all <laughs> glamour and things like that. You just came from a premiership winning team. How was it switching from that glamour club to a club that literally just came back into the comp and is starting to try and rebuild? Yeah, it was it was hard. It was very hard. I um. Me and, and Brian Fletcher moved across at the same time mm. uh, from the Roosters to South. And South had only been back one year in the comp. And um, like you said, they were, the, yeah, coming from the Roosters to South at that time was a, was a massive step down. Yeah, <laughs> um, it, is. yeah it, it, it certainly was. And just in the level of, of coaching and and professionalism and, uh, you know, facilities. Um, everything. Training at, the insta- everything, instability you know. of coaches swapping every single yeah. year. I, I, had, I had five years in, in – sorry, I had five coaches in four years there, mm. which um, was, you know, it's hard to get any stability and, and build, you know, a team around that and with new ideas of different coaches. So it was it was a, it was a shock um, to us and um, – and I, I really learnt to lose when I went to. Yeah, I was going to ask. You, you learn to it lose, was, don't you? Uh, I, um, I used to hate, hate losing with a passion. It like, you know, I'm bordering on bloody tears every time we lost because I, I always was sort of, you know, I, I just loved winning. I was so competitive um, that any loss used to rattle me a bit. And then when I went there, I used to just week after week. You know, losing and losing, and yeah. you really, you, you did. You you'd learnt to lose, and um, which was probably a good and, and bad thing. I you never want to lose 
special as much as I did in the four years there, but it did um, it did help me um, lose a bit more humbly and and you know, not get so upset about it. Yeah, um, absolutely. And take and take the lessons from from those losses and try and improve. How was it the first time that you came came against Anthony? Was there a bit of banter that week? Yeah, I think I think so. Um, yeah, well, I I can't even remember the first first grade game we played against each other, um, which is shocking because you'd think you'd remember that one. It's considering it's um, 2003, they probably towed you. That's why. You probably tried to forget well, it. Well, that, that's the thing. I think they bloody towed us up. <laughs> but um, I do remember quite a few games playing against him, but that first one, now that I think about it, I actually can't. Did you, I, did you, I, I would, did you ever radar for him when, when you're on the field? Yeah, 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 yeah. I did, yeah. Every time I got the tackling, I tried to do it to him. Yeah, because uh, it was it wasn't it wasn't that often. Yeah, you know, he'd be running around out, you know, out yeah. the back line. But, how, did, um, how did your mum feel about you guys? Like when she was watching, <laughs> what did she go for? I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think maybe because the Roosters were were so good and we were so bad that maybe she wanted us to win sometimes. Okay. I'm not, so she went to the underdog, I'm, the old Rocky Balboa sure. Italian story, mate. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> Possibly, I'm not sure, but I remember when um, when we played in the 2010 grand um, grand final qualifier. Yeah, the prelim. Yeah, um, that that would have been hard for, for my parents. I remember Mum like took half of the Titan shirt and half of the Rooster shirt and sewed them together for my dad to wear. <laughs> half and half, he didn't yeah, know man. what to do. That's yeah, cool. so um, but yeah, every time we played against him, it was um, they were always you know the, the the team that were going well, and we were always the team that were going pretty badly. So it was always, um, I always wanted to win, but I don't think we beat them too often. We did, we did get them a couple of times, uh, but not too often. Yeah, but it's been good because you made your city debut, and he was fullback. You guys went to the 2013 World Cup together. So, you know, for two yeah. brothers, you know, a lot of brothers don't get to achieve anything together. You guys have had some really significant moments in your career together. Yeah, definitely. The um the city country games that we we played together were um, definitely some of the highlights of my career. You know, having been able to play in in a rep jersey with you know alongside alongside him was um was was pretty uh, you know, right up there. And and then you know being in the Italian World Cup team together was um was something special that um we'll always. Remember, yeah. and um, how was yeah, it? we had we had some good times. Yeah, Mark, how was it when you when you actually got to captain them, mate? That would have been unreal. Yeah, it was, mate. It was, um, yeah. Being, Anthony was captain in in thirteen, yep. and then um, yeah, four years later, uh, I got to captain them, and um, yeah, I probably seeing how he um, captained the team in in thirteen was probably influenced me a, a little bit in how I um, went about captaining him. Four years later, so I definitely took took some um, some things from him, and uh, it, it was a proud moment to be able to captain your, your country, even though it, it wasn't for Australia. But we're very very much Italian and Australian, you know, and, and a mix of both, and um, you know, it's still a very proud moment for for myself. Yeah, mate, that thirteen team, I would like to have seen it in its prime with you and you and your brother in his prime, Teddy, Vaughny. Like you had, yeah. you had some good players playing no, we, in the World Cup, we, mate. We both both of the years we had some great players. 
playing. Um, you know, I think 2013 we we probably um, should have been better than we were, and mm. we probably part. I guess maybe partied a little bit too much in that time that uh, we we could have could have. Um, but uh, you know that that's that's what you do when you're um, uh, on tour, and um, it was still look we 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 had a a good crack and it was fun, and then even the side we had in seventeen was um, we had some really good players, um, and we probably underachieved, I would say, again in the, in that World Cup. Definitely the first game we um, we, we should have performed a lot better, in, um, and, and which would have given us ourselves a better chance to get in the quarters. But um, yeah, it wasn't the V, and um, yeah, but it, you know. Good time still. Yeah. Now, Mark, take me to a significant moment in your life moving to the Gold Coast because you're a foundation member at the Titans. So, mate, they, they established a good crew from day one. You know, you're like Presto, Scotty Prince, Matty Rogers, yourself, John Cartwright as coach as well. So what was the pitch mm. originally to get you up there? Yeah, it was funny because I, Cardi was my reserve grade coach at the Roosters. Okay. And, uh, and then I, I moved on to South. He stayed at the Roosters. Um and then he got in contact with my agent or myself and, and said, oh, I want you to come up to the Gold Coast. And I was like, Gold Coast? No, I live in Sydney. I kind of, you know, I'm not, not going to leave Sydney. And um, and then, they, yeah, he persisted and said, no, I want, I want you to be a part of what we're doing there. And eventually I had a chat with my brother and my family and, uh, you know, South, we were still really struggling. Yeah. And I was still... And I was struggling with the fact that we were losing every week mm. and the uncertainty of, um, you know, what was going on. But halfway through that year, Russell Crowe bought the club and, and took over and started to <clears throat> make some changes. And, um, you know, I could, I could see that they were going to get better, but I didn't know whether I wanted to go on that journey and how long that journey would take. Um, and, and the opportunity of, of being, you know, a uh, part of a, a new establishment, yeah. a foundation player, um, was something that, that appealed to me. And although it was uh, hard to move away from Sydney, it was probably the best decision that I made for my career um, because it, it it made me be up here on our, on our own and, um, you know, something new and exciting it was that first year was unbelievable you know the, the just the way we were, we were treated and um the atmosphere of just being something mm. you know new and exciting it was yeah it was it was impressive but yeah so it was i i ended up making the decision to follow cardi up there and um yeah i'm grateful for the opportunity because it was um it was a really great part of my career yeah you know how they usually say you grow around some great people you know when you you got exposed to guys like Preston Campbell who was an absolute champion and then Matty yeah. Rogers Scotty Prince as I mentioned is that kind of where you you know everyone has a moment in their in their life where you kind of go from being not a boy but really growing up into a man is that kind of that that time of life where you kind of transitioned you reckon yeah I think it was I think the 
the move away from Sydney and and probably the move away from being Anthony's brother mm. um, as well. Um, Did you struggle with that? No, no, not at all. But it was always mentioned. But it's it hard always... because he's a golden boot. You know, it's he's always yeah. on the paper and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was. Yeah, and he played for the Roosters. You uh, get plenty of publicity, yeah, yeah. And, you know, as as a club. Um, but yeah, it was just. I think it was it was a the time that I I didn't step away from that a little bit mm. and um, you know being around like been around Luke Bailey and, and Preston Campbell and um, you know players that were quality not just quality players but quality people yeah. as well um, and, and worked hard and I think the Titans really got their um, recruitment right for those first two years they they recruited on um, you know hardworking individuals that, that wanted to build something and, and create a good culture and I think um, you know those core group of players that, that were signed uh, we certainly did that yeah. and I think the, you know we had Billy Billy Johnson as a trainer who's one of the toughest in the business and oh, he, he broke a lot of players yeah. oh mate that, those two years were the hardest two years I've ever trained in my life um, what sort of stuff he was broke, he making you guys do he, Oh, mate, we'd um, oh, it was just we it's even hard to describe. Is it? Like we used to we used to do like hardcore fitness even in season. Like we used to do every Wednesday. It was like a twenty twenty twenty. So we'd do twenty minutes on the treadmill, two minutes break, twenty minutes on the rower, two minutes break, twenty minutes on the on the bike, and you had to hit your target. Otherwise, you did that that that, that again. And like, this is this is in season as well. Like. You know, by the end, um, a lot of our guys were, were, especially the forwards, were struggling to hold their weight because okay. we, were, we were training so hard. Just the calories um, out, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and I think um, we sort of dropped off towards the end of that that year. I think maybe a little bit of burnout on, on some some of the players. Mm. And but look, it was I really enjoyed training under under Billy. He was tough and re- yeah. and relentless and old school and didn't give it shit who you were um you would treat everyone with that same hard line and and i think um it, it got definitely got the best out of me and got me a lot fitter uh to where i probably needed to be yep. um and i i guess it, it sort of broke some people as well and did billy go on the beers with the boys at all billy loved the beer yeah, yeah oh yeah he loved the beer when when um on any away trip, yeah, he definitely loved to be. Um, but he was he was he was tough because he if you were if you were injured, you'd be in rehab with him, and that started at five a.m. Jesus. And you're on a bike, and you were riding. You're either on a bike or you're in the pool, and you either become a very good swimmer when you're injured, or or a very good <laughs> bloody road biker. And um, so everyone hated being injured because you had to train with him, yeah, and yeah. he'd do it with you. Um, so it was, it was one of those things that, oh, I'm not injured. I'm just going to train sort of thing. And I guess he, he really toughened you up mentally. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I think is, especially overseas, is somewhat missing today. Um, you know, but, uh, yeah, he, he was, it was good fun. I, I really enjoyed training. I mean, yeah. What was the training like in Hull? Was it very similar? Um, yes and no. It was, um, 
it was it was they were a bit more aware of um, how much time you spent on the field, okay. um, and um, were more scientific in terms of um, you know data and that from what I was training here at the at the times at the time yeah, like where we didn't do much of that. Yeah, so that yeah, so that would really make sure that we were um yeah, only on the field for no, no longer than an hour mm-hmm. on and off, making sure that distance was, was kept in check and that sort of thing. And that was that was more along the lines of our strength and conditioner who we had there. Yep. Um yeah, so it was. Um, I found the training, especially when I first went there, coming from the Titans, where we did train, you know, like an NRL. Like we we trained quite a lot on the field. It was, you know, when when I stepped over there, it was. Um, I found it quite quite easy the first few years, just to, you know, because we were, I was used to running more and, and training more yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for longer as well. They they like to shorten the days up, which was great for me because, you know, I was I was a little bit older and um you know so for the older guys it, it it's a smarter way to train yeah, but yeah, for sure like i was saying for the younger guys i think that's where they don't develop that uh, you know that mental that toughness or that, yeah. that yeah where they can and should be pushed to a higher level as a young age because you can you can handle it a bit more where the older guys you know when, Maybe that smarter training is better. Yeah, for sure. So it's that it's that fine line trying to find um, find that. So, mate, before we get to why you decided to go to Hull, just you know, obviously, two thousand and nine and ten was huge years at the Titans because, as you just mentioned a few minutes ago, you know, you guys made the prelims against the Roosters, but oh nine, you made it first. I think it Parramatta who knocked you out. But how did it feel, yeah. mate? Because you had gone through from being in the Roosters setup where they won the comp to zero success at Souths. So obviously starting and building a new club at the Titans to finally being in the finals, mate. How did that make you feel? Yeah, that was um, that was ugh, exciting. It was like I, I grew up wanting to play grand finals yeah. and finals football, and it was something that I always had a deep desire and burn, burning desire to to achieve. And um, it hadn't really come until until that time and uh, it was it was really exciting to be part of the original titans and then build for those few years mm. to and then you know make it in, in 2009 um i think we we didn't perform very well in those in those games uh, i think we had, a, we had a chance to you know against Parramatta to you know win and, and go one game away again and it was um we we just missed the mark on that. We didn't quite perform. I think I think everyone was pretty nervous and you know I think that get anxious about things and it sort of got the better of us. Yeah, um, you know what? I think NRL fans now don't appreciate the nine, the oh nine and ten Titans teams. Like a lot of just because they've had just a bad run over this last five years. Yeah, they forget that you guys. That own that nine nine and ten, like especially for me, because obviously I'm a shark supporter. So I I was kind of invested with you guys because of Presto and Matt Rogers. But yeah, so yeah. It was kind of like you were my second team, so I, I watched a lot of your football. So, but I think people don't appreciate how good the oh nine and ten teams were. You were very close to a grand final. Yeah, both both years we were. Yeah, and um, you know we 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 had some quality players, and, and we were we, we played. We played for each other. It was, you know, we played for the coach. It was, 
we yeah we had a good culture in those early years that um, you know got us got us to to, to finals football and it's probably because it was our first finals football that um, yeah we we didn't handle it as as good as we could have and um, yeah I wish we just sort of built from that you know from the experience of of oh nine to to ten I think mm. um, you know. 2010, that that game against the Roosters was was disappointing. Yeah, we we really, I really thought we were we were going to win that, and we just, I don't know, it was um it was a strange game that one. A um, couple of decisions against us, but we didn't play at our best that game. Yeah, because it was at uh, Suncorp, wasn't it? Was that the same yeah, it was at Suncorp. Yeah, Suncorp Stadium against my brother, going you know into a grand finals. I was pumped for it, and um, they should, yeah, it was, they should well, let like, you play at your home ground, eh? Like, I, yeah, it was. I think they were they wanted a bigger crowd than what Skilled Park held, which Roosters, was twenty six. No, no fans. Yeah, I know, but they got a lot of pool, don't they? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uncle Nick. Yeah, so I don't know um, why, but it was moved to Suncorp, and look, Suncorp's a great day, and I loved it. Oh, it's beautiful. That wasn't. Um, I don't think that was an issue. Um, but yeah, we just didn't seem to to hit the mark where we, where we needed to be. And um, yeah, I remember trying to do everything I could on the field to to make sure we won. But I think I I tore my groin in the last couple of minutes, or maybe the last ten minutes Jesus. of that game. Yeah, just to rub that it was in, uh, rub the salt in the wound. Yeah, just yeah, exactly. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't a a good way to finish. Um, that game all that year, but um, it, it was it was good to see that if I was going to lose, lose to my brother, even though they played terrible in the grand final. Um, Somehow, they yeah, that was it. yeah, they just had a great yeah. team, didn't they? Right. They did. Yeah. All right, Mark, take me to the final chapter because it's a good one. Going a whole FC, plenty of success yeah. there. But before we get to that, mate, mm. how did you convince the misses? You were going to be moving over to <laughs> from the lovely Gold Coast, where it's sunny oh. every day and thirty degrees. Right when when the opportunity come up, because um, we I'd always wanted to go over and play there so we could travel, and um, you know we we love traveling. Yeah, um, it was an opportunity to to play in a different league and and travel and experience. You know. Um, Europe, which we always wanted to do, so that that was a big driver in why we went. Yep. Um, but when the opportunity come to go to Hull, I I didn't know much about Hull, but ironically, I almost signed there. Sorry, in in two thousand six for the you know uh, I think it was two thousand six. Okay. Andrew John signed with with um, Warrington, didn't he? Warrington, yeah, yeah. And Hull FC approached me to. To sign with them for the remainder of that season. We're going to be playing halfback um, against Joey. Yeah, probably should. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, really funny. I I was going to go because obviously 2006 we were struggling at South, and I was like, you know, this could be a good experience to to go and just experience something different for the last you know eight, five, oh, was it six, seven weeks of the of the year. Um, but I was I already signed with the Gold Coast, so I rang Cardi and I said, "Oh, I'm thinking about going to um, play the, the remainder of the season in in England." Okay. And um, yeah, he said to me, oh, "I'd rather you not. I'd rather you come 
back here fresh, ready to go for you know, the start of you know, our campaign and you know, being a new team. So I almost the, the deal was pretty much done and dusted. And then when I called Cardi and um, had a chat to him about it, he was like, "I'd rather you not." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay." So so I yeah I um, respected that and I I went up I, I knocked that back and played out the year at South and then moved up to the Titans. Um, yeah, so it was it's quite funny because then I end up, you know, what was it, 10 years later, uh, playing at the, at the same club, which is quite funny. But going back to moving there, yeah, I, I said to my wife that, um, you know, we've got an offer to go to Hull FC and she's like, oh, where's Hull? And she Googled it and the search come up. The worst place to live in the world. Yeah. The worst place to live in the world. And she just said to me, there is no way I'm going there. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, gosh, it can't be that bloody bad, surely. Um, so, I, yeah, I I actually made a few phone calls because I, I knew Peter Cusack and yeah. um, um, Craig Fitzgibbon, yeah. all those players at the club. So I um I made a few calls there. Uh, I played with both of them, um, and they just said, "Look, they loved their time there. Okay. They both both wished that they actually went another year there." So um, that go. sort of gave me a little bit of uh, hope, and um, <laughs> and then yeah, I I just asked uh, Fitzy where whereabouts he lived over there, and he said, "Look, there's some some great little villages in." Yeah, yeah, he was in a in a village south cave, which we ended up moving into, and um, same village, and it's it was a beautiful little village. But yeah, it was I was trying to find ways to convince the missus that it was all right. And um, on the day that you left, no, think, it would have been summer, and then you would have touched down in the oh, middle of winter. Mate, don't talk to me about our first time there. It was horrendous. So we obviously twenty four hour flight. We got three kids. Four, two, and one um, on a flight. Two days before we leave, we don't have a house to live in. We're we're homeless, and I just said to the club, "We need. I need. We need to move in. When our flight's booked for two, in two days' time, we need something. Yeah. We're going to move." Um, so yep, we're secured your house. It's perfect for you. It's a bit older, but you know, you got kids, it'll be fine. <laughs> so. We're like, oh, has it got furniture? No, no, no furniture. I'm like, no, I said, no furniture. <laughs> <laughs> so the the night not the, the night before we leave, we are on the internet on IKEA in England trying to order furniture. So we've got some furniture that so it's there when we arrive. Anyway, we we ordered furniture and they said the delivery was going to be. Two weeks time or whatever. I'm like, what we? <laughs> so I rang the club. I said, someone's going to have to go and pick this shit up <laughs> and get it there. Anyway, it was a it was a nightmare. We ended up getting there. They did. We landed and it was freezing and wet, and we get picked up and we're on the. It's a Friday afternoon. We're, we're heading over the hole in traffic, yeah. and we we get a call saying, oh. Um, the cot didn't arrive and the, oh, the no. bed didn't arrive. So we've got a one-year-old with no bed, another kid that doesn't have a bed. Um, and I'm like, where the hell, where's like, there's like 
half asleep in the car, like tired from the flight. <laughs> and it's just like, it's honestly it's like, well, I don't know what the hell my wife was thinking of it, thinking of because she was like, what's going on? Probably thinking about and, the um, divorce lawyer. That's probably where she's thinking. Well, I'll tell you what, coming from Burley on the Gold Coast, beautiful everyday coffee walking along the beach to a little village in the northeast of England, um, freezing cold is you couldn't get two opposite lifestyles if you if you tried and um, yeah but we got through that initial stage and mm. we got we, we got through it and it was it ended up being a, a very enjoyable experience um, and and brought us you know those those times that you go through obviously bring you closer together and uh, yeah. yeah my my boys. Um, made some great friends and we made some great friends and met some great people and the club was was great enjoyed my time there so it was yeah it was an experience those that first um first initial period that's for sure yeah mate for a guy that was kind of starved of footy success early on but you've achieved two significant moments two challenge cup wins mate you know tell your brother stick that up him like yeah i know he never played it he never played at Wembley either. That's, I mean. like, that's that's every kid's dream. I remember, you know, waking up early for those kangaroo tours at Wembley, man. Like, Wembley was the, the greatest place on earth. What was it like to play there, man? Yeah, and that's um, that's an unbelievable stadium, Wembley. It's um, it, yeah, it's just got a bit of an aura about it, and um, yeah, it's it's a it's a great place. Just the surrounding and. Uh, the history behind behind mm. it was, um, yeah, you you really couldn't help but buy into the passion the players had around the Challenge Cup and and what it meant to the English players. Yeah. You know, we never had anything like that here. We only had the, the one trophy in the grand final, and um, when I went there, I was I was like, you know, there's two there's two competitions, and and a lot of the players I spoke to over there. Would prefer to win the Challenge Cup than the Grand Final, and that was a bit foreign to me. I was like, you know, you play every week, week in, week out to win the Grand Final. Mm. And it's a lot harder to win the Grand Final than it is the Challenge Cup. But they were so passionate about winning the Challenge, especially at Hull, yeah. because they'd never won. They'd never won at Wembley, and you know, the fans, the club, and the players were so passionate about winning. At Wembley, yeah. and, what, um, what was the second one like? Because the second one, because Peter Sterling played Brett Kenny back in the day, and that was Wigan and, and Hull. Was there kind of a little thing going about that game? Not really. Sterling over there is still a legend. Yeah. Uh, even though I think he only played like twenty six games, maybe yeah, something like that. He didn't play yeah. many. Yeah, he played a small amount for the club, but they they love they love him. All the fans love him. The club love him. And they've had some really great players play for Hull FC. Um, you know, you look back at some of the players that played there. Um, they got some of the best. You know, Jason Smith played there. Yeah. Um, you know, O'Neilly. Um, yeah, loads, loads of different Heaps players. Of players. But um, yeah, the, their passion around the Challenge Cup is, is something I'd. I'd never experienced. It was, uh, I think, because the the rivalry between the two whole clubs yeah. was so strong. What, like what was it was comparable a, to it Australia. Was, 
it was like a mini origin okay. every time we played. Like the, the fans hate each other. Like they live in the same city, but absolutely hate each other. Really? Like what, yeah. What was it? Is it like a street that separates them? Like it's just like a it's like a river. Yeah, it's like yeah. A, yeah, yeah. It's like the the east. East Hole and West Hole, and um, you know the Rovers supporters are a, a different breed. Well, so can Hull see Some of the, the fans can be as well. They're, they're quite, they are extremely passionate about their teams, and um, they can, and they have been known to take it a little bit too far. Um, you know, at at games and at, at the stadiums, and but the atmosphere that you get. It is similar to like that origin experience every time you play because they they sing and they chant and they boo and they you know it's um it's a, it's a, it creates a really good atmosphere um to play in for um, sure even though there's there's like literally hatred between the teams that's and, what it's about the, but sport, the, you know it's, it's just yeah it's um yeah it is something else and so going back to the challenge cup why it meant so much to the whole fans because. Rovers beat Hull FC at Wembley um, back in the day. I don't, I don't know what year it was, but the whole KR fans always used to sing a song that Hull will never win win at Wembley, uh, yeah, and, and they used to they used to chant that at games all the time, and it really got under the skin of our fans. Yep. So when when we won at Wembley, it like took that away from them, and and all the fans were so like ecstatic about yeah, they, they could that. never yeah, sing yeah, they yeah. could never sing that song again it was so it was, it was quite funny that's mad all right final question mark how did you know when it was time to hang up the boots um i think um i think you know when when you don't have that like burning passion to to do it anymore yeah um was there a game or uh, moment, mate for you no real game or moment. I, um, at the end of my 18 season, um, I thought about uh, at, during the 18 season, I, I was thinking about you know maybe hanging them up. Yep. Um, the club wanted to go one more one more year, yep. and um, so I, I just took some time to consider that. Um, and in the end, I, I thought you're a long time retired, so um, I'll, I'll play that the 19 season. And uh, yeah, I think it was more mentally not wanting to do the the hard like things of training. And stuff, yeah, yeah, it, it was more the training, the games. You can always get up for games. Yeah, it's 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 when you. You don't want to do the physical contact and the wrestle at training. Mm. Um, the little extras, is yeah. When, yeah, is when, like, I've always prided myself on doing all the extras and being there. And, and I was, even till the end, I was still first, you know, first in last week yeah. um, to make sure that I prepared myself as best as possible. But it was, you know, those those tough wrestle sessions just or the full contact. Yeah. You know, it's just, you, 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 I just didn't want to do that anymore at training. You know, when it's game time, fine, that's all right. But is that training? It's like, you know, I don't, pushing 38, so yeah. I need to be doing full contact and wrestle at training. <laughs> but the club, you know, it's the club were, were great. And if, if I had some sort of niggle, then I wouldn't do a, a wrestle session. Um, and that's fine. But, you know, if 
when, when you start questioning that, then you, you sort of know, you know. Did you get a mad and I guess I wasn't at the club? Um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was nice. Yeah, it was, it was really nice. The last game was, um, was pretty special. We, we, we played, uh, we, we played St. Helens actually. Yeah, yeah, and they, um, they all actually hung around, um, to, to clap me off and it was, it was, it was pretty special. I had the family out on the field. So that was, yeah, um, that was, not, yeah, it was really nice. And it, it's always hard to, to hang them up and, yeah. you know, never, Step on that field again, but um, look, I, I played nineteen full years of first grade and you know, twenty twenty years as, as a full time athlete. I'm pretty blessed to, to be able to, you know, have you know get that long out of out of my body at the top level, and you know that that goes down to looking after myself, you know, through everything we've spoken about, and yeah. Um, I'm, I'm happy with, with where I was at and I was, it was time to, to give it up. Yeah, for sure. Well, Mark, I really appreciate you joining me on the podcast today. Before I let you leave, mate, now Twitter, you can find him at mminicello360, sorry. Instagram's a little bit easier. It's markmini360. Now, Mark, if anyone wants to get in touch in terms of coaching, is it best through Instagram or is there any other ways? To yeah, you can, you can, you can, yeah, I've got a, I've got a website. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I do performance and lifestyle coaching now, both online and in person. Yep. And, um, that, that's where I'm focusing on, um, yeah, trying to just help whether it be athletes, whether it be, you know, regular people who love exercise to get the best out of their body and, and how to be healthier and have more longevity. And, um, to my, my website's, um, npl, uh, dot, ptenhance.com um, and yeah it's there's some packages there that I that I've got and I've also got my resistance bands yep. um, my own brand of resistance band I like to, to train functionally and, and use a lot of resistance bands and so I've got uh, that's exa360.com xer360.com and um, yeah so they're, they're the two two websites and my Instagram. I don't use Twitter much. I'm not a big social okay. media uh, person, but yeah. um, it, it's there. Instagram probably more than the other. But, okay. Um, Perfect. Yeah. Well, mate, I really appreciate you sharing your story, mate. I have to get you on for a part two because I got we've run out of time today, but I've got plenty more kind of that kind of science and exercise sort of stuff that I want to explore a little bit more. So I'll definitely have to get yeah, you back definitely. on for a part two when we've got a little bit of time. Yeah, definitely straight. keen to. Um, Keen to share some knowledge that I've gained over 20 years and, and, and all the um, you know, education I've, I've sort of done and looked into over the last five years on, on all things health and longevity. So awesome, happy to mate. do that again. Well, mate, appreciate your time today, mate, and we'll catch up soon, eh? Good on you, TK. Appreciate it. All right, Mark. And that, guys, was Mark Minicello. Definitely give him a follow across all his different social medias. Highly recommend you check out his, his resistance band page. It's something that uh, I do do on a daily basis in terms of my own training so check it out it's uh, in the show notes and also on the talking with tk website page or just listen up for the the link there as well all right guys get in touch and connect now you know definitely with 2020 wrapping up i definitely want to hear your views on where the show heads in 2021 and guests that you'd like to see on the show so social media at talking with tk across my facebook or my twitter Tristan Nell on my Instagram, old school email, Tristan at talkingwithtk.com. And please, if you can, leave me a review on either Apple or on the Facebook page. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Manscaped, so check out the range at manscaped.com. Use code TK for 20% off and free shipping. My book, Talking With Champions, that's out now, and you'll find that at Dimmix Booktopia and Angus and Robinson. All right, guys, next week on the show with Origin on the Wednesday, Monday, we're going to be joined by former Cowboys and Maroons hooker, John Doyle. John's got one of, he's got an incredible story, but in terms of debuts in State of Origin footy, one of the best I've ever seen. So he's a great fella, and back in the day was a sensational hooker for both the Cowboys and the Maroons. All right, that's very close. That's episode 199, so episode 200 a couple of weeks away. Always appreciate the support. I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking with TK. 